Well, good morning again. Welcome to worship at Calvary. We're so, so glad that you are here and that you are worshiping with us wherever you're at. If you're here in the worship center or you're over in the chapel or you're at our Minnetonka campus or you're watching online somewhere else, so, so good to be with you. Now, I don't want to freak you out, but if you don't already know, you only have 20 more days of Christmas shopping left. All right, so you might be tempted to get out your phone and hop on Amazon. I'm just going to ask you to please resist the urge. You might think, well, everybody will just think I'm on my Bible app and nobody will know, but hey, you got after the afternoon to do that, right? Well, have you noticed that Christmas carols seem to be playing all over the place? And maybe you even noticed that it seems like they started to play Christmas carols around Halloween this year. I have some friends uh, from college that play a game called the Little Drummer Boy Challenge. And basically, the whole game is you try to go as long as you can in December without hearing the Little Drummer Boy. Like, if you hear even a couple notes of it on the radio or at Target, you have to go on social media, you have to say, I'm out, and try again next year. So... You know, if you want to play, it's a lot of fun. But have you also noticed that a lot of the Christmas carols that get a lot of play seem to talk a lot about joy, a lot about happiness. You know, they seem to talk about Christmas being a wonderful time of year. You've got the old classics like Holly Jolly Christmas, one of my favorite Christmas hymns, Joy to the World, or maybe the most annoying Christmas carol, which is Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time, which I never want to hear again. But you know, with all of these happy Christmas carols, I think sometimes it can be difficult because for many of us, Christmas really isn't a wonderful time of year. Maybe Christmas doesn't feel that joyous or that happy. You know, maybe Christmas highlights some of the past hurts in our life. Maybe it brings forward some of the shame and some of the insecurities and some of the fears that we deal with throughout the year. And, you know, it's never easy to talk about those things, but it's this time of year that magnifies those things oftentimes. And we feel like we should just put on a happy face and kind of join in all the festivities and just stuff all of those hurts away. But, you know, here's the thing. God never intended for you to just set aside all of the hurts and the pain in your life. He never intended for us to continue to be haunted by those ghosts from our past, whether it's in the present or the future. He wants us to experience healing and wholeness through Jesus. And so while grief and sadness are definitely a normal part of being a human, God can and he wants to heal us from those past hurts that hold us back and hold us down. So if you were here last week as we kicked off our Advent series, you know that Caitlin did a fantastic job introducing this series and talking about those hurts and those offenses that are the product of someone else in our life, the things that have been done to us. And she talked about how we really need to acknowledge those things. We need to receive God's grace into our life so that we can then extend that same grace towards those who have hurt or offended us. Well, today I want to talk about shame in our life. And shame is the hurt and the pain that is caused by something we ourselves have done. So last week, things that have been done to us. This week, 
things that we ourselves have done. Now, I also acknowledge that we can experience a great amount of shame that are out, or things uh, caused by things out of our control. You know, sometimes shame can come from someone in our life who who has done something to us. Sometimes it can be something like body image. But I want to very specifically today talk about those things that we ourselves are responsible for, the shame that comes from the things that we've done. But at the end, when we talk about where we can find freedom and healing when it comes to shame, I think it really covers over all of the different kinds of shame that we might experience. So to kick things off, can you think of something in your life that you are especially ashamed of? And now share it with the person next to you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it would be very awkward if it was someone you didn't know at all. We maybe don't want to start there. But I think every one of us has some secrets, has some hurts, has some things that we maybe have stuff deep in our lives, some things that bring shame to us, and you know, we'd just maybe rather not talk about it. We'd rather not think about it. But shame is mentioned in the very first pages of Scripture. All the way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, you know, God has created this perfect world for people to live in. He's created this garden where Adam and Eve are able to be together, but they're also able to be in God's presence every single day. And so it says in Genesis 2.25, it says, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You see, God's perfect creation, his intent for all of us is that we would be able to live openly and freely with each other and with him. But that doesn't last long. By chapter 3, just a few verses later, shame is on display. You might remember how this went down. Adam and Eve, they specifically disobey what God told them to do. He said, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they're tempted, and they do. And when they eat the fruit, when they disobey God, suddenly they are ashamed. And what is their response? They try to hide from God. They don't want to deal with their shame and their sin. And so they try to hide away from him. Now, can you imagine, though, the shame that they're dealing with? They're thinking, we have ruined God's creation. Look at what we did. We ourselves have introduced sin into this perfect world. But, you know, I think we also respond very similar in very similar ways. When we experience shame and sin in our lives, our tendency is to try to hide it. We want to keep it a secret. We don't want anyone else to know, and we would rather not deal with it ourselves. Now, I think oftentimes we think of shame as just an extreme form of guilt. Guilt is feeling bad about something you've done. And so we often think, well, shame must be guilt on steroids, like it's feeling really bad about something we've done. But while shame and guilt are closely connected, they are not the same thing. Guilt is focused on the what. Shame is focused on the who. Maybe more specifically, this is kind of how it plays out. Guilt is when we say, I did something bad. Shame is when we say, I am something bad. So guilt is action-based, while shame is identity-based. We end up feeling guilty about what we did, but we feel ashamed about who we are. 
author Brene Brown has written a lot on the topic of shame. And this is one of the things she says in one of her books. She says, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. And so while shame can negatively impact us all throughout the year, I think it can be especially painful and difficult during the Christmas season. And one of the reasons is this is a time of the year when we are around a lot of family and friends and acquaintances. And oftentimes our shame can be very closely wrapped up in our interactions with our family and others in our life. Maybe we remember words that they said to us that just weren't helpful when a secret came to the surface, when our painful actions were discovered. Maybe we remember exactly what they said or how they interacted with us. Now, I have no idea what your source of shame might be. You know, the one thing you wish that no one would ever know or no one would ever remember. It could be a moral failure. It could be a momentary lapse in judgment. It could be an addiction. It could be sexual brokenness. It could be a struggle you've had with debt or something else in your life, or the list could go on and on. But you know, whatever your secret is, whatever your source of shame might be, it can be such a destructive force in so many regards in our life. And shame can be this voice within us that says things like, I am defective, I am damaged, I am broken, I am dirty, I am ugly, I am worthless, I am impure, I am disgusting. And you know, the devil loves to tag onto that and loves to speak things to us like, you are unlovable, you are unwanted, you are unworthy, you are insignificant, you are weak and pitiful. And sometimes the very painful reality is, is these kind of words and these labels and these ideas have actually been spoken to us and over us by people that were supposed to love and care for us. It could be a parent or a sibling or a spouse or a friend. Maybe you remember specifically very clearly a time where you spilled some milk and someone said to you, how could you be so irresponsible and you internalize that. Maybe you failed a test in middle school and someone said, you are such a failure. You'll never amount to anything. And so then it's at times like this in a holiday season when we feel like we should be cheerful and we should be joyful. And maybe we start to let our guard down a little bit and suddenly these voices and these refrains and even these kind of just very clear pictures of the past surface in an even more powerful way. You know, maybe it's just the prospect of sitting across the table at Christmas dinner with someone who said something super harmful to you in the past. Maybe it's imagining what everyone is saying behind your back at a family gathering. Maybe it's just an overwhelming sense of not being good enough and never measuring up. Now, there are many unhealthy and unhelpful ways that we tend to try to deal with the shame in our life. Now, for some of us, it pushes us to perfectionism. We think, well, I'm just going to have to prove myself and prove to everyone else 
that I am good enough, that I can succeed. And so we're just incredibly driven and we try to be perfect in any way we can. Sometimes it causes us to be incredibly critical of others. Like we're all too aware of our own faults and our own shortcomings. And so then we laser focus on all the ways other people fall short and we become incredibly critical people. Sometimes it causes us to be stuck in a defeatist type of, mi- of mindset, and we focus on the worst-case scenario at all the time. We try to set ourselves up to never really have great expectations so that we don't have to experience failure and shame in our life. And you know, these kinds of coping mechanisms can be so evident during the Christmas season. You know, maybe it's when mom lashes out at everyone for apparently no reason. Maybe it's when dad drinks too much and retreats into a shell and disconnects from all relationships. Maybe it's when your in-laws criticize your parenting and your decision-making. Or maybe it's just yourself. You find yourself being super critical of others because internally you are super critical of yourself. Well, church, God's hope and God's intent is that we would finally break free from shame in our lives with his help. In fact, the, the prophet Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah chapter 54. He says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Now, that sounds like an incredibly awesome promise, right? But I think in many ways, it also feels very unattainable. I mean, if you've been around church any length of time, you've heard about the good news of God's forgiveness and grace. You've heard us say, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and he's just and he'll forgive us from all of those sins. We've heard about how our guilt can be removed completely because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And yet we can hear that good news repeatedly. And we can even believe that good news. But it doesn't always remove that deep down feeling of shame within us. We might feel forgiven, but we still feel tarnished. The actions that we've done have been forgiven, and yet our identity can still be negatively affected. There are tons of stories in the Bible that illustrate this very thing, how hard it is to move from forgiveness to removing the shame in our identity. One of the best examples, I think, is the Israelites who were in slavery in Egypt for 430 years. Now imagine what that would do to your identity and your self-worth. You know, for a whole people group to be enslaved, All they would hear again and again is how worthless they are, how expendable they are. Well, eventually, God called Moses to lead his people out of slavery. And you remember how Moses went and confronted Pharaoh and said, God has told me to tell you, let my people go. And there's all sorts of miracles that take place. And eventually, God's people are set free and they're delivered from slavery And it should be the end of the story, right? Everything's great. But if you read on, you'll see again and again that they have a hard time dealing with their identity. They still see themselves. They still feel inside 
that they are nothing more than slaves. They don't fully walk into God's freedom. And what they find is there's nothing they can do on their own to bring them the freedom that they seek. And you know, that same truth goes for us too. We can't free ourselves from the shame that we have within us. And so what I want you to know today and to take away today is this idea. The only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I'm not to who Christ is. See, when we focus on ourselves and what we can do under our own power, we will never be enough. But when we focus on who Christ is and what he's done for us, then suddenly we can be set free. You know, even though you are forgiven, it's still so easy to fall back into shame-based thinking. To be over the action, to intellectually know because Jesus died, all right, I'm forgiven of those sins. But we still can so easily get caught up in that negative identity to be thinking, yeah, but I'm just a loser. I'm such a failure. I'll never amount to anything. Deep down, it's hard to get over believing we are something that God says we're not. But listen to what we're told in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 2. It says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now think about what this is saying. There's a lot there. But Jesus endured willingly the cross. He was hated, he was mocked, he was despised, he was tortured. And as he hung on the cross, he scorned its shame. There is no more humiliating and shameful way to die. That's why the Romans devised it, this cruel, cruel way of execution. He hung there naked and exposed, bleeding all over the place as he was mocked and ridiculed by the crowds. But scorning at shame doesn't only talk about the humiliation of the cross, it's also he's scorning the shame of our sin and our guilt, which he took willingly to the cross with him. He took all of our brokenness, all of our dark secrets. He took all of our shame with him to the cross. He scorned the shame that was first introduced in the Garden of Eden. He scorned the shame of David and him committing adultery and murder, trying to cover it up. He scorned the shame of Peter, one of his best friends, denying him that night before. He scorned the shame of Judas, another one of his close disciples who betrayed him to his death. And in the same way, he scorns the shame that haunts you and me, the shame that brings us emotional and spiritual and relational pain, the shame that robs us of the joy and the freedom that God intends for us to walk in. He despises and scorns the shame of your deepest, darkest secrets and hurts, the shame of what you look at, the shame of what you say, the shame of what you think but also those feelings within us of self-doubt and self-hatred. 
He despised and scorned all of our shame. Now on the cross, Jesus took all of that shame and he said to that shame, you have no more power anymore compared to the joy set before me, the freedom that I'm going to bring to the world. Shame, you are nothing. You can't defeat or distract or discourage or destroy me because I have a clear mission And when Jesus announced on the cross, it is finished, it wasn't just the being finished with sin and death, it was also being finished with our shame. Jesus was determined to accomplish God's will, and he saw it through to the end so that you and I could be set free. And so again, remember, the way to heal from shame in our life is to not focus on ourselves, but instead to focus on who Christ is. When you feel shame rising up within you, when you hear those voices from within negatively affecting your soul and your thinking and your relationships, remind yourself again and again who God says you are because of Jesus' victory on the cross. Maybe one of the ways to do this, a way that you can practice this in your life is to simply fill in these blanks. When you hear those voices to say, I am not whatever those things are saying. No, because of Jesus, I am what he says. So if what you hear is you are worthless, you say, I am not worthless. Because of Jesus, I am valuable. I am not unwanted. Because of Jesus, I am loved. I am not broken because of Jesus. I am completely whole. I am not a slave to my sin. Because of Jesus, I am set free. I am not whatever my deepest, darkest secret is. No, because of Jesus, I am a child of God. See, the truth is, church, On our own, we will never, ever be enough. We'll never be completely free. But with Christ living in us, we are more than enough. And we are completely, completely free. Look at Romans chapter 8. Paul talks about this in verse 1. He says, so now there is no condemnation. Think of how often we feel condemned either by others or by ourselves. But he says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Such good news. Maybe this is something we need to remind ourselves of every single day. And maybe during the holiday season, as Christmas is right around the corner, and we feel even more condemned than ever before, we're reminded that because of Jesus and his victory, we are set free. Now, if you want to experience that kind of freedom in your life, I think there are three important steps that we can engage in each and every day. And the first one is this. Name your shame. Again, remember our tendency is to try to hide it away, to try to keep it a secret, to try to stuff it deep down in our life. 
but there's power when we're willing to bring it to the surface, when we're willing to acknowledge the source of our shame so that we can start to experience healing and freedom. Don't let it stay in darkness. Bring it into the light because there's healing in the light. Now, often one of the most freeing things we can do is to share these secrets, share this shame with someone that we trust. You know, maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it's a close person that you're walking through your spiritual life with. Maybe it's your small group whom you're doing life together with. When we're able to share it and talk about it with others, it starts to bring it to the light. But number two, then we need to take it to the cross. Remember, Jesus took all of your sins and all of your shame with him to the cross, and you don't need to take them back. I think that's what we often do. We hear the good news of what Jesus has done. We hear the good news of his forgiveness and grace. And then on the way out of church, we just grab our shame and we take it with us again. No, our invitation is to leave it at the cross, to not pick it up again, and instead to leave in Christ's freedom and grace. You don't need to pick up what he's already dealt with. And then thirdly, Focus on God's truth, not your feelings. When those feelings of condemnation and inadequacy and defeat start to rise up again, remind yourself of God's truth and his promises. And the good news is he meets us in our shame and our guilt. He doesn't wait for us to try to clean ourselves up or to try to figure it out on our own. No, he meets us precisely in the darkness and brokenness of our sin and our shame. He doesn't abandon you. He is not shocked or surprised by anything in your life. And he still loves you, no matter what your story is. And ultimately, he's provided the solution that we need. Listen to Colossians 1.22 where it says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now, what I want you to notice there is what it says we do and what it says he does, right? We're not doing much here. God has done this for us in Jesus. And simply because of what Jesus has done and who he is, we are now wholly blameless and without a single fault. I mean, does it get any better than that? And you see, because we are holy, because we are blameless, because we are without fault, there is no more shame. Yet, church, the reality is this side of heaven, we're going to continue to struggle with receiving and embracing God's truth and our own feelings. And so I want you to listen one more time to one of the verses that we started with from Hebrews chapter 12, but we're going to tag on the very first part of this verse from verse 2. And this is what it tells us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. So when we feel shame rising up within us, when we have one of those days where all we can think are condemning and negative thoughts, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you feel guilt, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you feel shame, fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't focus on your feelings. Focus on God's truth. Believe the good news of the gospel, not your doubts and your fears and your anxieties, not that thought that, well, I could never be forgiven because of what I've done or said. No, instead, know you're loved. Know that you are a child of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus because in him there is no guilt and there is no shame and there is no brokenness. Because of him, no matter what your story is, no matter how difficult your past may have been, no matter the ghosts from the past that might try to still haunt you today, the reality is, the truth is, you have been set free. And so at this time, in all of our campuses and at home, we get to celebrate Jesus's amazing forgiveness and freedom. Because no matter what your story is, he invites you today to come and meet him in communion. He invites us to not hold anything back. He invites us to bring our shame and our guilt and our sin and our brokenness and to receive his grace. And after you come forward for communion, there'll be people at the front who are willing to pray for you. And I would ask you and invite you to take advantage of this great opportunity. These are people that would love nothing more than to support you in prayer. You know, maybe you have something from your past that you want to share and you want them to pray for, but maybe you don't want to share any details at all, and that's okay because God already knows anyway. But come forward and be prayed for to receive Christ's freedom. Because of Jesus, we don't have to be haunted by this ghost anymore, this ghost of shame. No, today we can walk out of this place, wherever you're at, you can walk freely and openly, knowing that Jesus is with you, and you can be filled with his spirit today and every day. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your incredible promises and your truth. God, you know that we struggle with feelings of shame and guilt and brokenness in our lives. And during this Christmas season, sometimes it feels even more magnified when we're told we should be so joyful and we should be so happy. But God, help us to walk in your freedom today. Help us to hand over all that burdens us once and for all. God, help us not pick it up again as we leave this place, but instead to leave it with you and to receive your grace and your forgiveness. And then God, help us to go and share your love and to share your grace with every person we meet. And so God, we trust these things to your care in the powerful name of Jesus. And let's all say together, amen.